Well, a very good morning to you. It's good to be uh, back with you at Hamilton Baptist, and uh, thank you for the privilege of coming to share with you from God's Word today and to come around the communion table uh, together later in our service. You're going through a series on what is it to be a follower of Jesus, to be a, a church uh, member, and we've got to uh, the part in the series where we're looking at our witness and testimony, witnessing and testifying to the truth of who the Lord Jesus is. And we look to Acts 16 for our text this morning, Acts chapter 16, and in particular verse 25, but uh, we will read from verse uh, 16. So if you turn to uh, your Bible and Acts chapter 16, verse 16, we find place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned round and said to the spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they'd been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying, and doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them, washed their wounds, then immediately he and all his family were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole, whole family. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, Release those men. The jailer told Paul, The magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave. Go in peace. But Paul said to the officers, They beat us publicly without a trial, even though we are Roman citizens, and threw us into prison. Now do they want to get rid of us quietly? No, let them come themselves and escort us out. The officers reported this to the magistrates, and when they heard that Paulans came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house, where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. Then they left. We pray that the Lord would bless that portion of his word to our hearts this morning. Amen. So about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Here we find Paul and Silas then brought into a prison because of what they had done to this slave girl in releasing her from a demon who enabled her to be able to predict the, the future uh, for her um, uh, slave owners 
and uh, the income was dried up because she was no longer able to, to tell them what the future might be and so they were no longer able to make a living out of this girl and so they decided to get even with Paul and Silas for doing this and had them arrested and thrown into prison. The context is that they've reached this city called Philippi. Now Philippi was a, a Roman colony which meant that they would take citizens of Rome and put them to live in a city outside of the country where they could have a, an influence as Rome was extending its borders and, and conquering different places. They would then have influential cities established with Roman citizens put there to live. And the perk of being put in a city outside of their own homeland was that they didn't have to pay any taxes. Can you imagine a tax-free existence? Lovely. And so it wasn't such a bad thing. You may not know the language and the culture, but you were to live as a Roman citizen in that city. And this is where Paul and Silas find themselves being. I wonder if you've ever wondered why you've arrived to where you are. Why are you in the house that you're in? Why are you in the town that you're in? Why are you in the fellowship that you're in? Why have you come to this point in your life where God has put you where you are? Because not all of us are in the place that we expected to be. I'm certainly not in the place I expected to be in front of a congregation preaching God's word. If I was going to be where I expected myself to be, I'd be in a school teaching woodwork and metalwork and uh, technical drawing, which now is called craft design technology. I would have been the first batch of trained teachers to teach that subject of craft design technology. But the Lord closed the door and he brought me into a different path. And I was never in the place where I expected to be, but I was in the place where God put me. Because God has a plan and a purpose for each of us. And it may not be the place we wanted to be in. I'm sure Paul and Silas would have chosen not to be in a prison cell with their feet in stocks, in the middle of the night, surrounded by other prisoners, in the inner cell. I mean, we're feeling uncomfortable wearing a mask. Can you imagine with your feet in stocks in the inner cell where there was very little air to breathe? And, and here they are, praising God, testifying to the goodness of God in the situation that they happen to find themselves in. In the verses that we've read uh, this morning in Acts chapter 16, we see that God opened a way for them to come to Philippi. It wasn't the town that they were going to. It wasn't the place that they expected to go to. In verse 6 and 7 of Acts chapter 16, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Figura and Galatia, and having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia, they came to the border of Mysa, and they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Every time they tried to go somewhere, God by his Spirit stopped them from going there. And they end up in this place where they end up in prison. Not their first choice, not their second choice, not their choice at all. But this is where they found that it to be. Perhaps we are. It's perhaps we were able to fulfill all that we wanted to do and we are in the place. But why has God allowed that? Why has God put us where we are today in order that we may be useful to him and testify and witness to his goodness? And so we see in verses 6 to 12 of chapter 16 of Acts that God opened a way for them to be where they were. Closing the door on some things, opening the door to other ways. God opened the way for them to get there. 
And then in verses 13 to 15, just before we picked up our reading, we see that Paul witnessed to a lady called Lydia. She was a businesswoman. She had come from another part of the world to, to live in Philippi, set up a business, and she had joined with the Jewish believers uh, as someone who was outside of the Jewish faith, but believed in the true and the living God and was worshipping with them, seeking the truth. And we find uh, that Paul witnesses to her and she becomes a believer. She follows the ways of the Lord Jesus. She responds to the gospel. And then we find that God opens the prison doors. He's opened the way, he's opened a heart, and now he opens the prison doors for others to come to faith. More and more people become followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul and his team didn't immediately throw themselves into uh, the public witnessing and, and preaching of the word when they came to this city, even though they knew God had opened the door for them to be there. They took time, first of all, to rest, to pray, to make their plans, because it's not just enough to know where God wants us to be. We must also know when he wants us to speak and what he wants us to do. Now, the Jewish population in Philippi was very small. There was no synagogue there. They just had a place of prayer, which meant that there were less than 10 men. To have a synagogue, they needed 10 men to be able to form a synagogue. And so they just had a place of prayer, majority of women, and there they met outside by the, uh, the, the river, uh, and they worshipped God together there. And Paul finds himself ministering to this group of women. It just shows just how different Paul's philosophy and way of thinking has, has come. Because as a Pharisee, they would hold to this. It is better that the words of the law be burned than to be delivered to a woman. That's what the Pharisees believed. Better to burn the words of the law of God than to tell them to a woman. And now he finds himself on a Sabbath day at the riverside with a group of women. And he has a gospel of good news of Jesus Christ to tell. Is it better to burn it or is it better to tell it? He tells it. His heart is changed. He's a transformed man. And he has a good news to share with people who will listen and will hear and will receive that word. And Lydia is one of those who responds to the message that he brings. Lydia, this successful businesswoman, becomes a follower of the Lord Jesus and she opens up a house and she asks them to stay with her for the duration of their visit to this town of Philippi. He opened, God has opened her heart to the truth. She was believed and saved. She identifies herself with the Lord Jesus Christ becoming baptized and then opening her home that the word of God would be able to continue to be preached in her area. It's an important lesson for us when we seek about witnessing for God, that when God is at work, that we, we, we get alongside with those that God is working alongside, that we share the gospel with those whose hearts are ready and receptive to hear the word of God. But we also need to learn that whenever God's word is going out and is in influencing people and people are coming to faith, then the devil will also make an attack. The devil will try to undermine what God is doing and what God is saying, wants to see happen. And in this situation, we were introduced to this servant girl who was able to predict the future uh, through this demon uh, who had possessed her. We find this girl making money for her uh, slave owners. Now, as Paul and his team went regularly to the place of prayer to, to witness and to share the good news of Jesus, we find here that this girl would repeatedly shout after them, these men are servants of the Most High God who shows us the way of salvation. 
Nothing she said was, was, was false. It was true. These men are servants of the Most High God who show us the way of salvation. But Paul becomes troubled that this girl, who's possessed by the evil spirit, is shouting minute say the truth and the next minute say the lie. And those who will listen to the truth will not know when the lie is being spoken because it's coming from the same person. And so Paul becomes troubled that if they will listen to this girl and this demon will then start speaking lies that they won't be able to discern the truth from the lie. And he wants this girl silenced. And so he drives out the evil spirit. He prays that this spirit would leave her, commanding him to come out of her. And the spirit left and she was no longer able to predict the future. The owners had no concern for the girl herself. They were just concerned about the money that they've lost. And so they try now to uh, take Paul and Silas out of circulation themselves before they can do any more damage to any other business concerns that they may have. Their only option was to use Roman law. They're in a Roman colony, and so there were the, the rules and the laws of, of Rome that they then pull in and say that they are teaching things that went against the, uh, the, the, the government of Rome. And Paul and Silas were stripped and beaten, put in prison, and it looked like the end of their witness in Philippi had arrived, but God had other plans. Their witness was going to take a new move, a new direction, and they were going to reach people that up until now they had not met, the people inside the prison. Maybe the people that God wants us to witness are the people that we hadn't thought about, or the people that we hadn't had any uh, concern for. And here Paul and Silas now find themselves in a situation that they were not, long, uh, not um, formally able to go into. They had no right to go and visit the prison, but now they're put in the prison. And so they don't miss the opportunity and they take the opportunity to, to witness and to share the good news of Jesus with those that they now find themselves in the situation and start licking our wounds. We've been stripped, we've been bitten, beaten, we've been falsely imprisoned, we weren't given a fair trial. Oh, pity me, oh, poor me, oh, how can I get out of this situation? Paul and Silas use it to witness to people that they now have a new audience to, to share the good news with. And they take full use of the opportunity. Instead of complaining or calling on God to judge the enemy, they pray and they praise. When we're in pain, in the middle of the night, it's not for us to have a songs of praise festival. We're worried, we're concerned, we're miserable. But Paul and Silas sing praises to God. Charles Spurgeon said, any fool can sing in the day. It's easy to sing when we can read the notes by daylight. But the skillful singer is the one who can sing in the night when there's no light to, to light the, the music. The song in the night comes from God. They're not in the power of man. Prayer and praise are powerful weapons that we see in the scriptures. 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and Acts chapter 4 talk about God's prayer and praise uh, people praising God and seeing God working in powerful ways just as he did in Acts 16 where the, tre uh, the, the, the prison cell trembled with the earthquake as a result of the singing the prison doors are opened the chains holding the prisoners are broken they could have run to freedom but they stay right where they are and Paul takes charge of the situation 
No doubt the other prisoners are fearful of what's gone on around them and they're listening to Paul because as a result of his singing, the prisoners just trembled. The prison guard was about to kill himself. The reason being, if you lost your prisoner as the guard who was put in charge of the prisoner, you would then have to face the penalty that the prisoner should have faced themselves. Whatever was coming to the prisoner, you would have to take on board. And so he was probably going to lose his life anyway, because there would have been those in the prison who would have been condemned to die. And if he had lost any of his prisoners, then he would be condemned, and he would take their place. And so rather than face that, he was about to kill himself, be done with it, and get it over with as quickly as possible. But Paul stops him, assuring him that every one of the prisoners was still there and accounted for. And his response, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to respond to what you have been sharing with these people in the prison? He'd obviously heard them. He'd obviously heard the message that Paul and Silas had been sharing with the prisoners in the jail. Paul knew the right answer too. Faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in the Lord Jesus. The city officials knew that they had no convincing case against Paul and so they sent word to the jailer now to release the prisoners and let them go. Just let, let them slip away. Tell them to go. But Paul was unwilling to sneak out of town. If he left just slipping away into, in, into the darkness, then who was this guy? And, and, and why was he a prisoner? Why was he arrested? And, and why did he just leave so quietly? Who were these people? Were they guilty of a crime after all? Paul and his team wanted to leave behind a strong witness for this new group of converts who had come to faith. And they wanted to leave a good testimony for this church. And so they call on the fact that they are both Roman citizens and challenge the officials on the way in which they had treated them without a fair trial. This was not a personal revenge, but a desire to, to give protection and respect for the church so that the church would be known to be a place that was in order and followed the rules and the regulations even of the Roman government that they hadn't gone against any of the, the laws that had been enforced by Rome. While we're not told that the magistrates apologised, they did come and escort them away out of the prison. And they asked them to leave the town. Paul and Silas made a visit first to the, the home of Lydia, where the church were gathered, to encourage them before they left. They still did it on their own terms. They didn't just walk away from the situation but they encouraged the church and then we read at the, the end of chapter 16 then they left having encouraged the Christians there <clears throat> as we look over this chapter we can see the work of the Lord progressing through different situations and difficulties sometimes the workers have problems with themselves and there's infighting sometimes there are problems from the outside when the enemy will attack and try to undermine what God is doing but it's also interesting that as we see these different people come into faith, like Lydia and uh, the, the, the jailer, uh, we see these people come into faith in different situations, in different contexts. 
but with the same result of God's grace touching their hearts and their lives. No one story is the same. Everybody's story of how they came to faith in the Lord Jesus is different to somebody else's because it's a personal work of God in their own heart and their own life. Others just want to be told the good news that the Lord Jesus has for them. Others want to go and search for themselves and then come back with questions. But Paul is seemingly able to teal and to talk with, with different people in different contexts at different times. And so we might say, I'm not Paul. And you're right, you are you. God has made you to be the person that you are. And you are just in the place where God has placed you. And most people who come to the church in this generation don't get up on a Sunday morning and think, today's a good day, I'm going to go and try church out. They usually come to church because of somebody's influence upon them. They may have been invited again and again and eventually give in and say, okay, I'll come with you. Or maybe they've been watching a Christian in their workplace and they've seen a difference in the way in which they speak and the way in which they have a, a, a different attitude to others. And there's something that triggers something about them that they, they want to, to, to find out more about and they, they find themselves drawn to, to, to seek and to, to, to figure it out for themselves. You see, many don't wake up and think today's a good day to go to church. They need to have been influenced by somebody who knows and loves the Lord Jesus. And that's you. That's the different members within the congregation, in the place where God has put you. In your family, in your street, in your workplace, in the community. I know one lady who used to go to a particular supermarket because she could talk to the same person each week. And she was living in a city, but she would go up into the valley in South Wales because the people in the valley were, were more friendly. And the lady on the till would speak to her, whereas the one in the city wouldn't. And so she kept going back to the, 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 the same supermarket so she could have a conversation with her and share something about her hope and her love for the Lord Jesus. She was well into her retirement, but she realized that she had an opportunity to continue to serve the Lord and to witness, even if it was just the same woman on the till every week. And she did that for many years. Every day we have to engage with people who are not in the church, whether they're friends, family, or neighbors. Witnessing and testifying are not just left to the leaders of the local church. It's all of us are called to witness and to testify. All of us are called to live a life that honors the Lord. And it starts in our own hearts. The heart of evangelism is our own heart. If our own heart is right with the Lord, then because of what comes through us will influence and impact the people around us. We can read books on how to evangelize and we can go on courses that will take, tell us uh, some useful ideas about how to evangelize. But while the how-to is important to know, the most common problem that we have is the want-to. Do I want to evangelize? Do I want to share my faith? Do I want to tell people the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ? And the want-to is sometimes prevented because of lack of success in the past. I haven't seen any of my friends, any of my work colleagues, any of my neighbors responding to those invitations that I've given. Maybe the lack of time. I'm so busy with other things that I don't have time to talk to people. 
and maybe it's fear we don't have all the answers we may even be rejected when we share the good news we're fearful of what their response might be and I might make a fool of myself in trying the truth of the matter is this that we speak out of the overflow of our hearts what fills our hearts comes through what we say and how we live and if we're on uh, a good word relationship uh, with the Lord Jesus Christ and our hearts are full of him then that will be evident in the way in which we conduct ourselves we will talk about the things that are important to us and Peter makes a, a key point in this in his letter in 1 Peter chapter 3 he says this now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good but even if you should suffer for righteousness sake you will be blessed have no fear of them or be troubled but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy always being prepared to make a difference to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you yet do it with gentleness and respect having a good uh, conscience so that when you are slandered those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame for it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil 1 Peter 3 13 to 17 in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy it starts with our hearts honoring the Lord Jesus Christ the most important thing when it comes to witnessing is our own relationship with Jesus if we honor him in our hearts then we have uh, an opportunity to have an impact and an influence on those around us most of the people you know probably won't be classed as hostile, hostile to the gospel probably more likely to be indifferent take it or leave it but I, I'm not interested so how do we engage them? Peter, in those verses in 1 Peter 3, 13 to 17, will suggest three things. Practical goodness. Just being ourselves. Just living a life as a Christian, as one who loves the Lord Jesus Christ, doing what we can to care and to show concern and, and compassion to those around us. A witness will involve being more than uh, uh, doing good things. It's a part of it. Let your light shine, says Jesus, so that others may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Do what you can, so that by your actions and the things that you do, people will see what you do and give glory to God. They will acknowledge that God has made a difference in your life. With Jesus as your Lord, we will be showing the fruit of the Spirit. And I understand that you've just finished a, a series on the fruit of the Spirit. Putting Jesus' center to our lives. The fruit of the Spirit will work their way through us and that will have an impact. That will be a testimony and a witness to the people around us. It's amazing the impact of just one Christian in a workplace or in a family or in a community can have. That joyful, gentle, loving person who seeks peace, who is self-controlled and their impact can have a huge effect on the people around them. Being Christ-centered, being Christ-centered, not just doing good things, but focusing on the Lord Jesus Christ and being what he wants us to be. Fear of what people may say or what they may think can stop us from uh, any attempt to share the good news of Jesus. But Peter says, fear God first, honor Christ as Lord. Be more fearful of not being the person that God wants you to be than what people might think about you. Fear him more than man 
In the hymn, through all the changing scenes of life, the hymn writer says, Fear him, you saints, then you will then have nothing else to fear. Make you his service your delight, your wants shall be his care. If we fear him, we will have nothing else to fear. If we make his service our delight, then we will be in his care and he will provide for us in those situations. And the third thing he says, not just practice goodness, not just be Christ-centered, but be ready day by day to give a, an account for the hope that we have. Two key words in these verses, always and anyone, always ready to share the good news with anyone. It doesn't matter who. Paul had to come to the point where he was willing to talk to women. But anyone, anywhere, were an opportunity to share the gospel. Are we prepared day by day when the opportunity arises to give the reason for the hope that we have in the Lord Jesus. We may not have all the answers, but we know why we trust him. We may not be able to answer all the questions, but we know what we believe and how good the Lord has been to us. And we are called to be ready when the opportunity is there to tell somebody. Always better to answer their questions than to be the one who seems to be ramming things down their throats. Be ready, it says to give an account for the hope that we have in the Lord Jesus. So to be a good witness, we first of all need to love the Lord Jesus Christ more than anything, to grow our relationship with him, to be steady in his word, to be following his ways, and that in itself will have an impact more than we will ever tell. We're to live our lives intentionally. Pray for those you want to come to know the Lord Jesus. Do we really pray for those that we want to see come into faith, praying for them that they will come to know the Lord Jesus? I have a friend. They went to school with way back in the 1970s. I'm still praying for him, still praying that one day he will get to understand what Jesus has done for him. It's a long time to be praying for somebody. Over 40 years. Over 50 years if I'm true. But praying, asking the Lord that one day he will get what it was about this friend called Phil for himself. Do we pray for those that we want to come to know Jesus? invite them to spend time with us and with other Christian friends so that they begin to realize other people think the same as we do other people get what the Lord Jesus has done in their lives as well so when we invite friends over invite the, the non-Christian friends to come in and share with us that it becomes a natural part of who we are and what we do serve people invest in their lives show that they matter we're not just wanting to see them become Christians but we care about them as a person and we want to share our lives with them give them things to read that will challenge what they think if you've read an article that's good or a book that has been helpful ask them to read it and see what they think about it it may not only be what we say but the materials that we read that we find helpful may be helpful to them in their journey of coming to know the Lord Jesus and always be ready to give a reason for your hope. Always be ready to give a reason. Remember, your love for Jesus is the most important thing. If we let our love grow cold, 
then we're not going to be very effective in our witnessing for the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. So keeping ourselves in a good relationship with Jesus is our priority when it comes to witnessing and testifying. So how is your love for Jesus this morning? Is it growing? Is it developing? Is it indifferent? Or has it started to lag? Make him your first priority and see how that will have an impact on those that you're praying for, for those that you're spending time with, for those that you're encouraging to come to know the Lord Jesus too. All of us are in the right place because God has put us where we are. We need to have the right attitude to fulfill his plans and purposes for why he's put us in that situation. May God bless our hearts this morning and encourage us to love him more and to serve him in the lives that he's given us. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the way in which Paul and Silas were able to praise you in a situation that they would far rather not have been in. We thank you for the challenge of Peter reminding us uh, to live a godly life, reminding us to love Jesus more, and reminding us to be ready to give a reason for why we love you to those who ask. Father, we pray that in our witnessing that we will see people come into faith, even those that we've prayed for many years for. Lord, we pray that you would help them to understand that you love them and you sent the Lord Jesus to die for them. And now as we prepare to come around the table of the Lord this morning to remember the sufferings of our Saviour, to give thanks from our hearts that he was willing to take our place, carry our sins away and forgive and cleanse us. Father, we pray that you will commune with us now as we come again to confess our love for you and our appreciation for all that you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.